Good for you to be in the house today. Good to have folks watching my live stream today. Let's give them a hand clap and welcome them for being here this week. We have several folks that watch live, and then we have several folks that watch throughout the week. I was noticing this past week that somewhere around a thousand people had tuned in and watched our service from last Sunday morning. And you say, Brother Steve, why were so many people watching? Well, did you all remember the service? We had a blowout, didn't we? We, we came back and was celebrating everything that God had done in power life and what God was doing in your life and my life. And there's no reason whatsoever to limit God. God is a good God. God is a loving God. Not only is God God, God is our loving Heavenly Father. Now just let that sink in for just a minute. He is our Father. And He's a good Father. And He's a loving Father. And He wants to have a dynamic, close, personal relationship with each and every one of us. And as much of a relationship as we'll let Him have with us is the relationship we'll have with Him. And... uh, the 23rd Psalm just explains in great detail. I could just drop right here and preach 23rd Psalm. We'd have a glorious time. The Lord is my shepherd. Is the Lord your shepherd today? Shout amen. amen. If he's not, I hope he is before this day is over. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. Brother Steve, I've been a Christian a lot of times, and there's a lot of things I want that I don't have. I ain't talking about those kind of wants. I'm talking about He restores our soul. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. How how many? All the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. That's a promise. That is a guarantee. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. As you come in this morning, hopefully you got one of these bright yellow bulletins. If you didn't get one of these, I want you to have one. Uh, If you didn't get one, would you raise your hand and Marvin will get one to you this morning. There you go, Marvin. Let's give him a workout all over the house. On the inside uh, is several useful things. We believe they're useful. Right now, I want you to reach in and take out this listening guide. And as I preach through the Word of God this morning, I would really, really, really like for you to follow along in that listening guide, fill in the blanks, learn as we're here today, but then take these home with you and continue to study because I promise you, God has a lot to say to you on this subject of joy. And I can't cover it all today, but God's Word and God's Holy Spirit will continue to commune with you and continue to teach you and continue to preach to you if you'll go home and get in a good quiet place and open up the Word of God and begin to pray and seek Him and invite the Holy Spirit to encourage you and bless you and continue to teach you. And you can just have church all day long every day. I believe that with all my heart. Any of y'all ever experienced that? Anybody had, ever had good church at home? Just you and the Lord? That's some of the best church there is. This morning, we're continuing in our series, Joy and July, and I've tagged on and beyond. I've tagged on and beyond because joy is coming to this place now in July, but joy is not going to end at the end of July. Joy is going to continue because we're learning the secret to joy. God wants us to be joyful Christians all 
the time. Talking about joy. Wow, 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 joy. So two weeks ago, we go to uh, High Springs, Florida, and we spend five days down there in the middle or the threat of a hurricane that had been downgraded to a tra- tropical storm that was downgraded to a tropical depression, which was downgraded in reality to a little bit of wind and a little bit of rain. God took care of us. God really blessed and encouraged us and blessed us. God saved. Listen to me, church. Now, if you don't get pumped about this, I'm concerned for you. God saved 16 students that went with us alone. Can I get a hand clap of praise for the Lord? And since we got back home... We've baptized 16 and still got one to go, don't we? Courtney still yet has to be baptized. But we've baptized 16, and 16 was saved, but Lakin was saved sometime prior. We went ahead and baptized him. He's been waiting on baptism. But God not only blessed in Florida, God is blessing all over the earth. If we'll just turn up our cups and get under the spout where the glory runs out, guess what God will do for us? More than we can think or imagine or hope for, God wants to do that in your life and in my life. And we're going to continue talking about joy today. Last two weeks ago, when I preached the first message in this series, we decided and we discovered and we shouted joyfully that Jesus equals joy. Do you still believe that this morning? If you do, say it with me. Jesus equals joy. Now say that one more time. Jesus equals joy. Do you have Jesus? If you have Jesus, you have more joy than you can contain. Brother Steve, I don't feel it. What can I help you out today? I'm going to help you learn how to feel it. Now, you don't always have to feel it. Sometimes circumstances will come into your life and dampen your feelings, but the fact of the matter is, Jesus equals joy. And if you've got Jesus, you've got joy. You just have to push some things out of the way and let joy shine through. You ever, you you love sunshine as much as I do? I love sunshine. I'm not addicted to too many things, but I'm addicted to sunshine. I love sunshine. And here's what I've learned. Did you know the sun shines 24 hours a day, seven days a week? The sun is always shining. But sometimes there's some clouds that get in the way, and it prevents us from seeing and enjoying the sun. Or sometimes as the earth is turning, we're on the other side and we can't enjoy it. But the sun is always shining. Jesus is always on his throne. Jesus is always the only begotten Son of God. Jesus is forever the Savior. Jesus is forever the Christ. Jesus is forever the King of kings and Lord of lords. What happens is we allow some obstacles to get in our way and we don't fully realize how real and how powerful Jesus is anytime, all the time, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. How many of you all use life hacks? Life hacks is the happening thing right now. Everybody know what a life hack is? A life hack is a strategy or a technique that you adopt that helps you manage your time and your daily activities more effectively, more efficiently. That's a life hack. You know, you discover something crazy, you're like, I didn't know that did that. 
I'm going to start using that every day of my life because it makes my life better and it makes my life easier and it makes life more efficient and more effective. So I've got one for you today. I've got a life hack for you. This is really going to encourage you and really going to bless you, okay? You ready for this? God uses suffering to produce joy in your life. That's that's real. That's true. And you're like, you lost me on that suffering word. I was getting excited. I thought you was really going to give me something useful. But when you said suffering, you just threw a wet blanket on the whole situation. Let me say it again. God, the God of the Bible, the God from Genesis to Revelation, the God that loves you, the God that cares for you, the God that serves you and invites you to serve Him, God the Creator uses, intentionally uses, suffering to produce joy in your life and produce joy in my life. Most people... Most people, including Christians, have this bogus idea, unbiblical idea, that joy is the absence of suffering. Now, from the world standpoint, that makes sense, doesn't it? That that sounds practical. Brother Steve, I would be full of joy all the time if I just didn't have to suffer any. Anybody think like that? It's okay if you do. Come on, let me see your hands. Brother Steve, my life would be more full of joy if I was not going through a difficult time. If I was not suffering in any way, Brother Steve, my joy would be unhindered. How many folks truly, truly believe that way? That's wrong thinking. The Bible says from cover to cover that suffering is going to be a part of every Christian's life. And suffering is there to draw you closer to Jesus, to push you closer to Jesus. And suffering produces joy in your life. For instance, let's, let's, let's dive in this morning. We're in the book of Philippians. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Let's go to chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 30 this morning. We're basically picking up where we left off last time. The little book of Philippians is only four chapters long. And of those four chapters, there's only 104 verses. It's a short book. It's a short book. It's written by the Apostle Paul. Written by the Apostle Paul. Do y'all remember where is Paul as he pens this letter? Paul's in prison. How many people that you know of, how many authors do you know of that go to prison and write books about how to be more joyful? I started to ask how many of y'all ever been in jail, but I didn't want, I'll just back off of that. Let me ask this, how many of y'all should have been in jail and just never got there? Me included, right? Most people that go to jail don't write books on joy. Most people that go to jail don't say, praise God, I'm in jail. Because I'm in jail, Jesus is going to be glorified. Jesus is going to be preached. This is all working out for my good and God's glory. That's Paul's attitude in prison. He is clearly, he is clearly in a season of suffering. 
Now, we're not talking about modern-day 2021 prison. We're not talking about air conditioning and, and, and customize this and customize that and meals catered to your likings. We're not talking about uh, a, a good soft mattress to sleep on. We're not talking about Internet provided. We're not talking about cable TV. We're not talking about you go there and, and pump weights and play basketball and get an education. We're not talking about modern-day prison. We're talking about a dungeon. We're talking about a dungeon. We're talking about Paul is chained to prison guards 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Paul is in a season of suffering. And in this season of suffering, he's been illegally arrested. He's been arrested for doing what? Preaching the gospel. Obeying his calling in life. He loved God supremely. He loves God supremely. He loves his neighbor as much as he loves himself. He's giving hope to everyone that will give him ear. And because he's doing exactly what God created him to do, because he's doing exactly what God has called him to do, because he's being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and doing what he ought to be doing, he's arrested and thrown in prison, and he's the most joyful man on the planet. He's away from his friends. He's away from the church that he pastors. His future is uncertain. Paul has no idea whether he's going to live or whether he's going to die. His critics are mocking him. His spiritual enemies are posturing. His suffering includes physical suffering, spiritual suffering, Mental suffering, financial suffering, emotional suffering, and legal suffering. Paul's in a mess. Can you say mess? Paul's in a mess. Yet, yet in this little book of four chapters, 104 verses, Paul mentions joy and Paul mentions rejoicing 19 times. If I'm in prison, I'm probably not going to write home to Michelle and say, honey, you ought to come join me. It's really joyful here. But if I've got the heart and attitude of Paul, I could write that letter, couldn't I? So how do we get there? How do we get there? So I already gave you a life hack. As we go into the message, let me give you a life fact. Would you like to have a life fact? Number one, number one, suffering is inevitable. Say inevitable. I'll make it a short message if you can say inevitable three times fast. No, you didn't do it. Sorry. Suffering is inevitable. So, Philip, you may have to help me today. We'll see if this thing works in a moment. Suffering is inevitable. In common everyday terms, you're going to suffer. Suffer is going to happen. Suffering is going to happen in your life. If you're breathing and you're born again and saved, you are going to go through seasons of suffering. Pastor, you've been promoting joy. Pastor, I I came to to the church today for the first time ever to visit because I, I saw on Facebook you promoting joy You've got me here under false pretenses. You've been promoting joy and ice cream, and you're, you're up there talking about suffering. You're going to tell me if I'm breathing, I'm going to suffer. Brother, I believe this is a rigged situation. No, I'm, I'm here to tell you the truth. 
If you're living and breathing, and especially if you're a child of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, in tune with the Lord, there is going to be times of suffering in your life. Now, those who don't know that and those that don't believe that, I'm not sure what book you've been reading, and I don't know who you've been listening to, but if you somehow believe that the Christian life, the biblical Christian life, the real Christian life is absent of suffering, you're reading the wrong book, and you're listening to the wrong preacher, and you're listening to the wrong teacher. You've been listening to the wrong person. I did this for myself just this week. I went through Scripture And I found over 80 times, over 80 times, listen, in the New Testament alone, over 80 times in the New Testament alone, suffering is associated with the Christian life. Is that convincing enough? 27 books in the Bible, and over 80 times it mentions Christians and suffering. Here's a fact. Life is what you make of it. And can I be honest with you? And I use that word intentionally. Can I be honest with you? The more honest you are with yourself and the more honest you are with reality, the more joy you will experience. You're not going to live a joy-filled life with the absence of suffering in your life. Jesus equals joy. Suffering produces joy in God's children. Now then, there's two ways to handle, two ways to handle, next slide, Philip. There's two ways to handle suffering. Number one, you can waste it. Number two, you can invest it. Brother Steve, what do you mean by that? You can waste suffering. When suffering comes your way, if you choose to complain and criticize and whine and and, and wallow in it and be negative, then you're wasting the situation. Those are the top five ways most people handle suffering. Can I get an amen? What do we do? We complain. Woe is me. We criticize. We'll even criticize God at times, won't we? We'll even criticize Jesus at times, won't we? Yeah, we become critical when we're suffering. We begin to whine and complain and criticize, and we wallow in it. We start feeling sorry for ourselves. We, we don't give any thought that most of Jesus' time on earth, the 33 years that he lived, Jesus suffered most of the time he was here. And when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he said, take up your cross and follow me. How can you not suffer when you're bearing a cross throughout life? But there's joy in knowing Jesus, and there's joy in suffering. So you can either waste it, Or you can invest it. How do you invest suffering? You make the most of it. You endure it with joy. You say, wow, wow, the Bible's true. The Bible is true. I'm suffering right now. And for some reason, I feel closer to the Lord than I've ever felt in all of my life. Wow, there's joy in my heart. Wow, I count it an honor to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, I've got some friends turning away from me because I'm so in love with Jesus. Wow, I've got some family members that no longer speak to me because of Jesus. And guess what? I'm full of joy. Wow, I lost my job because I'm a Christian. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all think I've lost my mind, don't you? 
I'm preaching you Scripture today. I'm preaching you the Bible today. Am I not? You say, well, you are, but I don't like it, Brother Steve. Well, get with the program, amen? I want you to have as much joy as I have, and I want you to have more joy than I have. I want us all to experience the joy that Paul knew to be a fact. Eighteen times in the New Testament, joy and suffering are attached together. If you're suffering, you're full of joy. If you're full of joy, you're suffering. Folks, we have to come to this realization. Number two, number two, there is joy in speaking about Jesus. There is joy in speaking about Jesus. So if I were able to download an app on your phone, and you could take your phone out and turn on your flashlight, and, and lay that on your finger, and it could measure your level of joy. What would your joy level be this morning? Would anybody, let's say on a scale of 10, would anybody be below 5? Be honest. Be, be straightforward and honest. How many people would say, if there was such an app, and you could truly measure the joy flowing through my veins this morning? Bro, Steve, I'm just being utterly honest with you. I'm being very transparent. I would have to say that my number would be five or below. Let me see your hand. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. Now, how many would say, Brother Steve, I'd blow that phone up. There's so much joy flowing through my veins, I would blow your phone up. Anybody in here like that? I want to do this because I am. Folks, I am. I'm not faking it. I'm not faking it. I'm not just trying to be preachy with you this morning. My joy meter are off the charts. Why? I've been reading Philippians every stinking day since we started this series. And I'm learning the truth. And you know what truth does? When you see it, hear it, observe it, and, 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 and take it into your heart, and take it into your mind, and infuse it into every fiber of your being, you know what the Word of God does to you? It transforms you. We saw one of the students yesterday afternoon at the grocery store. And this little guy was always shy and awkward and backward, and he kept distant from everybody else. Dalton, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Two weeks ago at Paralife, God gripped his heart, convicted his heart, drawed him to Jesus Christ. He was gloriously saved. He ran up to us at the supermarket yesterday. He initiated the conversation. He hugged me. He come at me like this, and I'm like, whoa. Same face, different kid. And we hugged and we talked. And, and, and we told him we'd see him later, hope to see him today. And as we was walking away, here's what he said. Love you guys. Love you guys. I don't know that that kid had ever uttered those words in his life. Love you guys. You all know why I'm full of joy this morning? Yeah. We eyewitnessed 16 students passing from death unto life. And that was just in our group. That's just in our group. 80 plus students at that camp come to know Jesus Christ. Had they died before the week that they arrived at Power Life, they would have all went straight to hell and spent eternity there. But God chose them. God saved them. God redeemed them. God allowed us to baptize him. And many of them are here in this service today. Brother Steve, is your joy full? Woo! It's full. As full as it can get. 
And that's just that part of my life. My life is like a diamond. It has several facets on it. And God is just blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing. Brother Steve, nothing negative going on in your life more than I can tell you about. More than I can tell you about. But you got joy? Yeah, I got joy. I'm full of joy. There's joy in speaking about Jesus. Now, part of the reason most of you all don't have much joy in your life is because you're living in disobedience and you're not sharing Jesus with other people. Sometimes some of this has to soak in before we go any further. Most Christians never share Jesus with anyone else and they wonder why they're miserable. Jesus commands us to share Him with other people. If you're living in disobedience, you cannot experience this level of joy. Well, Brother Steve, negative things happen when I talk about Jesus. Yeah! Duh! That's the plan. They nailed Jesus to the cross for being Jesus. All but one of the disciples was martyred for telling other people about Jesus. It goes with the territory. Brother Steve, nobody shared with me all the facts when I got saved. If I'd known all that, I might have thought twice about it. Well, sorry, you're in the club now. It's time to step up. It's time to be who God has called us to be. Christians share Jesus with others. Brother Steve, what if, what if it gets me in trouble? Be in trouble. Brother Steve, what if it costs me? Pay it. Brother Steve, what if it causes my friends to walk away? Let them walk away. What if it costs me my family? Let them walk away. What if it costs my job? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. You will not go without food. You will not go without shelter. You will not go without the bare necessities of life. Share Jesus. Philippians chapter 1, 15 through 18. That was the introduction. We're getting somewhere now. Let's look at some scripture. Philippians 1, 15 through 18. Some, say some. See, some folks do what they're supposed to do, but some people do it for the right reason and some people do it for the wrong reason. That's what Paul is going to address right here. Some indeed preach Christ, listen, from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love. Those that do it out of goodwill, they do it because they love God supremely and because they love others as much as they love themselves. Knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Let's think about that for just a moment. So those that do it out of goodwill are sharing Jesus with other people Because they know Paul is in prison for telling people about Jesus. They know what the consequences can be, don't they? They're fully aware that if they do what Paul does, 
Paul's in prison. They could also be in prison. They know that others have been beheaded. They know that others have been stoned. They know the cost, but guess what they do? They do it out of what? Love. Love for God and love for their fellow man. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. So the first group of people are truly sharing Christ. I mean, they're preaching the message correctly, but they're doing it for the wrong reason. They're doing it out of selfish ambition. They're only sharing Jesus so that they can look good. They're trying to build for themselves a following. They could care less if they follow Jesus or not. They just want people to follow them. They just want people to hear them. They just want people to see them. They're full of self-arrogance and pride. They're self-absorbed. They're selfish people. Not sincerely, but they're actually thinking to afflict Paul in his imprisonment. They know that Paul is in prison for preaching Jesus. And they are so full of themselves that they're trying to steal his audience. They're trying to steal his thunder. They're posturing. And they know all the while, as they rob Paul of everything he has worked for and everything that he has established, they're trying to steal his congregation. They're trying to steal his followers who are following Paul and following Christ. And they know as they do this that it'll make it all the much harder on Paul. Because Paul is locked up in prison and can't do anything about it. What then? What then? Guess where Paul is? Paul is sitting in prison full of joy, knowing this is going on. This is causing more suffering in Paul's life, but Paul is overjoyed. Why? Because Jesus is being preached. There's joy in speaking about Jesus, whether it's done for the right reason or the wrong reason. Paul says, man, the more people's talking about Jesus, yes, that gives me great joy. Only that in every way, every way that you preach Jesus, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I say rejoice. And he says, I rejoice. Listen, pastors, Bible teachers, uh, Sunday school teachers, yes, individual believers, yes, individual believers are to proclaim Christ on a regular basis. Even, even when I'm suffering, Pastor Steve, when I'm suffering, I'm supposed to share Jesus, especially when you're suffering. Can I get an amen? Amen. Quickly, let me give you four ways to share. Four ways to share Jesus. Good message, good motive. A good message and a good motive. From goodwill. He said that group is doing it out of goodwill. He said they're doing it out of love. They're doing it out of truth. They're doing it for the right reason. They're good people. They have the good message because the good message is what? The gospel message. And the gospel message is what? The good news. They're preaching the good news out of a good motive. They love Jesus. They love Jesus. And they love Paul. And they're trying to fill the gap. Our pastor is in prison and he has taught us well. He's taught us that everybody must know about Jesus because if you don't know about Jesus, you can't have abundant life here and you can't have eternal life there. They've got to know about Jesus. Let's tell people about Jesus. 
They're obeying the Great Commission. What's the Great Commission? Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe everything the Lord Jesus has taught us, knowing that Jesus is with us forever and ever and ever. There's joy in sharing Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? That's the first way. There's a second way. The other group of people. He said they're truly preaching Christ. They're truly preaching the good news, but they're preaching with bad motives. Right message, wrong motives. Good message, bad motive. He said, they're preaching out of envy. They envy me. They want to be me. They need to take their eyes off me, and they need to start wanting to be like Jesus. Can I get an amen? They need to be wanting to serve Jesus and love Jesus and become whatever Jesus wants them to be. They're preaching out of envy. They're preaching out of rivalry. They have selfish ambitions. They're only preaching to afflict me and do harm to me. They're doing it in pretense. In other words, they're pretending. Let's not do, let's not do church that way. Let's not share Jesus that way. Can I get an amen, church? Paul is for Jesus. And these people seem to be for Jesus, but they're against Paul. See, if you're going to share Jesus, and here's how relationships work. In order to be good with God, you've got to be good with people. And in order to be good with people, you've got to be good with God. And if you're not right with God, then you can't be right with people. And if you're not right with people, you cannot be right with God. So you have to be right with God and right with people to preach the good message the good way. Can I get an amen? Paul has an audience. They want Paul's audience. And what a, what a greater time. He's locked up in prison. They're just going to swoop in and take advantage of all of his hard work. All the years he's worked and preached and loved and been there for people and built this church at Philippi. These guys are just going to swoop in and take advantage and steal that away from him. And they know the more they preach, the harder it's going to be for him. So they're just going to lock him up and throw away the key. And these folks are celebrating that. Is that a good motive or a bad motive? That's bad motive. Paul had influence. They wanted Paul's influence. Paul had a congregation. They want Paul's congregation. Folks, listen to me carefully. All Christians are in the same game, if you want to look at it that way. We're all running the same race. Can I get an amen? We're racing from earth to heaven, and Jesus is the pathway, and Jesus is the only pathway, and we're all on the same pathway. Can I get an amen? Churches should not be competing with other churches. Can I get an amen? Amen. Pastors should not be competing with other pastors. Can I get an amen? Amen. Other ministries should not be competing with other ministries. Can I get an amen? amen? Why? Because there's one Father. There's one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's one Holy Spirit. And there is only one universal church in all of creation. And we're all going to one heaven one day. And we're all on the same team, running the same race. Let's get it together and give a good message with good motives. Can I get an amen? That's what it's all about. But these people didn't get that. And Paul says, you won't have joy if you try to do it this way. The third way is a bad message and a good motive. We see two ladies here who are in this church. In chapter 4, we'll talk about that in coming weeks. In chapter 4, he said, I entreat these two ladies to agree in the Lord. So just imagine, 
I know it's hard to. This will be hard to understand. Most of y'all won't get this. But there's two ladies in this church and they're bickering with one another. Can you imagine that? In the Lord's church, there's two individuals who are disagreeing and not getting along. You know, of course, 2,000 years ago, that never happens now. Praise God for that, right? Deliverance has come and that doesn't exist in the church today. Now these two women, they love Jesus. They do. They love Jesus. And these two women, they love Paul. But they don't love one another. Bad message, good motive. What, what do you mean bad message? Did you know your life preaches more than your words ever will? Your life, your actions, the way you treat others preaches more than your words will ever preach. And the way you treat God, the way you treat God preaches louder than any of your words will ever preach. Christians, the way you love the Lord's church will preach louder than any words you ever preach. How faithful you to the Lord's church. We've got to be faithful to God. We've got to be faithful to our church. We've got to be faithful to the ministry. Bad message, good motive. Number four, bad message, bad motive. Chapter three, Paul says there's some dogs in here. There's some evil doers. You know what I love about Paul? Paul just shoots straight and tells it like it is. Plain talks, easy understood. Paul said, they some dogs in this church. They some evil doers. They're some enemies of the cross. And they're preaching a bad message because their motives are all bad. They hate Paul. They hate Jesus. But let me, let me just reassure you folks of something. Let me encourage you here. You can have a good message and you, have, you can have a good motive and you can be doing everything right and you can be full of joy and you can still get a bad reaction out of friends, out of family, out of co-workers, out of neighbors because you bring a presence with your message. You know Jesus and Jesus is in you and Jesus is with you. And because you're so full of joy and because you're full, so full of the Holy Spirit and you're walking in obedience when you have conversations with people, they sense the presence of God with you and that's a huge turnoff to them because they don't know Jesus and they don't want Jesus. So what do we do in those situations? We continue to do what we do and we do it out of love and we serve and we give and we forgive and we bless and we demonstrate Christ's love and character. Can I get an amen? There's two platforms of sharing. There's a positive platform and a negative platform. Believe me, at age 54, fix and roll over to 55, 27, almost 28 years of ministry, I could come to you every Sunday and I could, 
I could drag every negative situation that has ever come my way in ministry and life, and I could get up here and rant and rave and share with you negative, 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 negative. You could come in here week after week after week, and I wouldn't even have to study to preach a negative message. I could just bring you in here and beat your brains out every week. You don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. And I don't love you because I used to love people and they was mean to me and they mistreated me and you're just just like them and negative, negative, negative. You ever been to a church like that? Now, I admit every one of us needs a good tongue lashing every once in a while to pull us back in line. But that's not a message of hope, is it? No. Two platforms, a negative platform and a positive platform. Hope in Christ is a positive platform. We tell it like it is. We call sin, sin. We call it out. We deal with it. But we love people. Why do we love people? There's only one reason we love people. Because we love God. And when you love God, you can't help but love people. What about them unlovable ones? Well, they're harder, but we still love them. We still love them. We got to love them. To love God supremely, you got to love all your neighbors. And to love all your neighbors, you got to love God supremely. Let's move on. Number three. Number three, there is joy in living and dying with Jesus. Brother Steve, could you repeat that? I thought you said dying. I said dying. There is joy. Say joy. There is joy in living or dying with Jesus. Philippians chapter 1, verse 18 through 26. I want you to notice three key phrases here in verse 18. He said, yes, and I will rejoice. Do you see those words, Philip? Yes, and I will rejoice. Wait on it for just a moment. My notes could be wrong. Yes, and I will rejoice. Say rejoice. For I know that through your prayers, say prayers, and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, say help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now now know those words. There's joy in living or dying with Jesus. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Now just hit the pause button. Everything we've said so far, he's preaching the gospel, he's been arrested, he's been thrown in prison. There's two groups of people that's continuing to preach, some with good motives and a good message, and some with bad motives and a good message. And Paul says, I know And I'm rejoicing. I know that through your prayers and with the help of the Holy Spirit, that everything that's going on, including me being locked up in prison, it's going to turn out for my deliverance. Is that not a wonderful, positive attitude? Does that describe you today? I hope it does before the day is over. As it is my eager expectation and hope. Say hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, does, does he sound down and out in any form or fashion? Not at all. 
But that full courage, now as always in Christ, will be honored in my body, whether by life or by... Huh? Either by life or by death. This is all going to work out for my deliverance. I'm going to be delivered one way or the other. I'm going to live and keep being who I am and keep doing what I do, or I may die. And if I die, praise God for that too. Now, can you say that today, church? Can you truly say that today? Steve, right now in this moment in my life, it really doesn't matter. If I live or die, I'm in Christ. If I live, I'm going to live for Him. If I die, I'm going to go be with Him face to face. It's up to God, and I'm not the least bit scared or worried about it. Can you truly say that today? For to me to live is Christ, and to die is what? Outside of church, outside of Scripture, you will not hear that thought taught or received in a positive way. Hmm? Are we not taught our entire lives, death is bad? Don't die. Now, I'm not running toward death saying, come get me. I'm like, Paul, I want to live as long as the Lord wants me to live. And as long as I'm living, I want to do what God's called me to do. But if God chooses to take me out of this pulpit right now through death, guess what? I'm going to go out shouting. Y'all going to say, that boy's true. You, he was dying and we saw him praising God. That's the way I'm going out. Why? For me to live is Christ, but to die is? Yay! Why? Heaven! Jesus face to face. It gets no better than that. If I live, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. I'm going to work for the Lord, and it's going to be fruitful. I'm going to see people saved, and I'm going to see lives changed, and I'm going to see God and Jesus glorified. This is a good thing. If I live for my flesh, it's fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Paul said, I'm just kind of in between right now. He said, I'm hard-pressed between the two. Can you imagine being there? What if God just called you up one day and said, hey, you want to check out or stay down there? you got three seconds to tell me the answer. What do you say? The perfect answer would be, up to you, Jesus. Your Lord, your Savior, up to you. I'll do whatever you say. My desire is to part and be with Jesus. I'm there. I'm there, church. I'm there. I'm there. My desire is to depart and be with Jesus. I love Michelle. I love our kids. I love our grand. I even love my sister-in-law. Tell me Jesus don't live in my heart. Can you say the same, sister? Praise God. It's a good day in the Lord. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. He said, convinced. Say convinced. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Say joy in the faith. 
so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ because of my coming to you again. Paul struggled. He said, never mind, Jesus said, I'm staying. It's all going to be good for a time. I'm staying and I'm coming at you like I've never come at you. Why? I'm full of Jesus and I'm full of joy. And I'm a winner either way. I'm a winner either way. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, take those three phrases I shared with you. Rejoice, pray, and know that there's help in the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. Can I get an amen? Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Spend time in prayer. Know that the Holy Spirit of God is going to give you joy and give you deliverance. And whether you live or die, it's all good. Say it's all good. Number four. Brother Stevie said that D word. Dying, death, let's just say, you know, I know somebody sitting there thinking, well, let's just say, you know, it's not going to happen, but what if it were to happen today? What does that look like? What happens to a Christian after death? Amen. It's goodbye world, hello Jesus. Goodbye sorrow, goodbye sin, hello Jesus. Goodbye, everything negative, hello, everything positive, forever and forever and forever and forever. Can I get an amen? amen. Philippians 1, 21 through 23. Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is what? It's gain. Paul said, my desire is to depart. And in order to depart, you've got to die. Paul said, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. That is far better. But what literally happens? What physically happens at the moment of death? Well, Lord willing, we're going to have you a funeral. And we're going to take your body and we're going to put it in the ground. We're going to plant it like a seed. And there's going to be a resurrection day. And when the trump of God sounds and Christ splits the eastern sky, what we put in the ground is going to be changed forever and ever and ever. And what we put in the ground and what began to decay and what may fully decay, God's going to take what's left and God's going to make that into a supernatural, brand new, perfect body. Okay? It's going to be waiting on you. And when that trumpet sounds in the twinkling of an eye, When Jesus splits the eastern sky, the inward you, the inside you, the forever you, the real you, at the moment of death, there's a separation from body and spirit. And the spirit man goes to be in the presence with Jesus Christ. And the body goes in the ground. But on resurrection day, when Jesus splits the eastern sky, we're going to come back with him. Those that have died in the Lord Jesus Christ, the spirits will come with Jesus The body will be changed in an an instant of time and there's going to be a body-spirit reunion and you're going to be perfect forever and forever and forever. Some of y'all say, it's just worth dying to get a new body. Hey, I'm in. I'm in, new body. Death. Church, listen to me. Here's how we have to view death. Death is not just going to a place. It's going to the person of Jesus Christ. The one who bled and died for you. The one who loves you unconditionally. Heaven is a good place with a good person. Our good, good Father. Our good, good Savior. The Holy Spirit. Angels. All those loved ones who are in Jesus Christ who are already there. It's going to be a glad reunion day. Can I get an amen? 
our future in heaven. Philippians 3, uh, 20 and 21 says, our citizenship is in heaven. See, my, I've done got a mailbox over there, people. And Jesus is building me a mansion. That's home. I'm just visiting down here. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform, as I just told you, our lowly body to be like His glorious body. How? By the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Body and soul reunited and raised perfectly. We'll be in the presence of Jesus. We'll be in the presence of loved ones going on. We will have a joyful family reunion forever and forever and forever. What does that mean for us right now? We need to be full of joy and we need to be practicing heaven right here on earth. Can I get an amen? amen. I don't know if you noticed earlier. I thought Michelle was trying to jump into heaven. Man, I praise God for that. That used to be her usual behavior years ago. We was traveling and singing. The Spirit of God get to moving, and she behaved like that all the time. Now then, I don't know about you, but I think Michelle's joy tank is full. Anybody else want to vote yes, Michelle's joy tank is full? How many of you all would like to experience that? Well, it kind of looks silly. It was silly, but it was good silly. Praise God. See, what happened, Brother Steve? What happened to Michelle when she was leading that song a while ago? Her joy meter exploded. And she just about come out of her body. And so she didn't know what to do, so she just gave up and gave it to Jesus. And Brother Steve, I, I don't know that I want to act like that. You ought to try it sometime. You ought to try it sometimes. all I got to tell you. We need to be practicing now for heaven. Folks, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. We, we call the month of July joy for a reason. We're having parties every Sunday for a reason. Brother Steve, that's disrespectful. Y'all not to be having parties in the church. Show me that in the Word of God. You know how many times Jesus went to parties when he was on planet Earth? The first miracle Jesus ever performed, he was at a wedding party. He was at a wedding party. They called him the friend of sinners. Why? Because he went to parties. Now, he never sinned. I didn't say he went to sinful places and did sinful things. That's not what I'm saying. Jesus was a very joyful man. And Jesus loved to bring joy to people's hearts and minds. And Jesus loved to bring joyful situations into people's lives. And Jesus was very joyful. And the church should be a joyful place. This ought to be the funnest place on the planet because we're going to the best place in all of creation, heaven, one day after a while. And we have Jesus who is joy in our hearts right now. And he is, he has created and began a good work in us. And he is going to complete it until the day of salvation. And we're in it to win it and we're going to win it and we need to be full of joy right now and we need to have a party every day every week knowing who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ that's the Jesus we serve and that's the joy that Jesus wants you to have in your heart even when you're suffering suffering produces joy next week we're going to throw a big party bigger than you've ever seen We've got surprises for you. It's going to be so good. We're going to grill out. We're going to have bounce houses. We're going to have cornhole. We're going to have fellowship. We're going to have a snow cone truck here. We're going to have a dunking booth. And I'm going to get in the dunking booth. And you all can throw a ball and dunk me all the times you want to. 
I knew we'd get a shout right there. And I can swim, so mmm. Number five, we got to roll on. Number five, there is joy in living for and with Jesus. Now listen, folks, I love you. I didn't leave you with death and dying. Number five, after number four, there is joy in living for and living with Jesus Christ. Verses 27 through 30, this is the final scriptures I'll share with you this morning. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is good news. And good news is to be celebrated. Can I get an amen? Amen. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, united, a united effort for the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, friends, I'm going to remind you again, it's not about you. The moment you make it about you, joy will leave you. It's not about you. Not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. The moment I make it about me, the moment I make hope in Christ about Steve, the moment I say this is my church, the moment I say you're my people, the moment I start speaking in first terms here, my joy leaves. My joy leaves. It's not about you. It's not about me. Listen, church, it's all about Jesus. And when it's all about Jesus, there's much joy. Say joy. There's joy in living for and with Jesus. Paul said, I want to hear that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Not for me, not for you, not for any other human being, but your arm in arm, mind in mind, heart in heart. You're striving for the faith and the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're not frightened in anything by your opponents. Bring it on. Bring it on. For real. What can they do? Arrest us? Chain us to some guard in prison? What's that going to bring you? If you know Jesus, it's going to bring you joy. Worst case scenario, they try you, find you guilty and execute you. What's that going to do? Get you in the presence of Jesus and then there's going to be more joy than you could ever imagine. Am I right or am I right? You only got two options there. Am I right or am I right? Do not be frightened in anything by your opponents. He says, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation. They're lost. You're saved. You've got heaven. They're facing hell. They're going to die once here and die again there. They're going to die two deaths and wind up in hell. You're going to die one death and you're going to wake up in glory. Don't be scared of them. Jesus said, do not fear those who can take your life. Fear God who can take your life and your body and cast you in hell. Fear God and love God and follow God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Jesus Christ, you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. That clear it up for you? 
It has been granted to you. God wrapped up suffering and said, hey, I got you a present. Enjoy this. Jesus, that looks like suffering. It is. You're going to enjoy it, Steve. It's going to bless you, Steve, and it's going to bless others. You said, brothers, Jesus, I don't get that. You don't have to get it. Just receive it. Do it. Endure it. It's going to produce joy in you. People are going to see you're suffering for my name's sake. It's going to promote the gospel. They're going to get saved because of it. Been granted to you. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Jesus Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Get this, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Joy! Joy! It's a joy living for and living with Jesus and being granted suffering. Number six. Keep this in mind, folks. Keep this in mind. I'll come to a close. You're saved by suffering in the past. Jesus suffered that we could be his brothers and sisters. We're saved by suffering in the past through the Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved through suffering in the present, you and I suffering. We've been granted suffering that it may produce joy in us. But we're saved from suffering in the future because we're on our way home. Because we're on our way home. Number six, there's rejoicing even in suffering or dying. Verse 18 says, I rejoice. Verse 19 says, yes, and I will rejoice. Verse 25 says, I will remain and continue with you all for your progress. Say progress. See, you, you progress through suffering and it leads to great joy. I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. 19 times in the book of Philippians, we are commanded to have joy and we are commanded to rejoice. Rejoice is your reaction to the joy that's in you. That's why Michelle shouted and jumped a while ago. The joy got so full in her, it had to come out and she rejoiced. Amen? Amen. Cover this very quickly and we're done. Look in your bulletins this morning. I didn't make a slide for this, but look in your bulletins this morning. Ten causes of cheerless Christians. Nobody looking around. No spouses allowed to participate in this question. This is me asking you as an individual. This morning, would you say that you are a cheerful or a cheerless Christian? Being honest with yourself. You know who you are in the mirror. You got up this morning and saw yourself in the mirror. Are you a cheerful or a cheerless Christian? Because this ain't about you fixing nobody else. This is about you getting fixed this morning. Ten causes of cheerless Christians. Number one, God's not a happy God. Really? Really? How many in here would disagree that God is not a happy God? How many would disagree? God is not a happy God. Do you disagree with that? I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think God is the happiest person in all of the universe. Can I get an amen? If you think God is not happy, you're wrong. God is Jesus. Jesus is God, and we're created in his image, and God gave us a full set of emotions, and joy and happiness is at the top of that. Can I get an amen? God wants you happy. Number two, you've heard this. 
God cares about your holiness, not your happiness. No, he cares about both of them. And here's what you've got to learn the hard way. Holiness produces happiness. And happiness produces holiness. These stick-in-the-mud people who want to go around saying, oh, holy people ain't happy, they've not read the book. And I'm afraid they don't know the same Jesus that I know because Jesus is full of joy and Jesus equals joy. Number three, joy is not an emotion or a feeling but a mindset. Well, again, it's both. Michelle's got this sign in her house, and I pass by it and practice it every day. It says, I choose joy. Brother Steve, you seem to be a bubbly person. Brother Steve, you seem to be always smiling. You always seem to be up. Brother Steve, Brother Steve, Brother Steve, you're not with me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You don't live in this head. You don't live in this heart. There's times I get down. There's times I get whiny. There's times I complain. There's times I criticize. I just don't let you see that. Joy is not an emotion or a feeling, but a mindset. Joy is an emotion. Joy is a feeling, but joy is a mindset that I must choose. Number four, it's selfish to seek happiness. Do you think it's selfish to seek happiness? Well, it is if you do it at the expense of others. If you have to crawl up and over someone else to become happy, then you're being selfish yourself. But it's not selfish to seek happiness. It can be. It can be. Number five, to choose joy when life is hard is disingenuous. It's faking it. No, that's not true at all. To choose joy when life is hard brings joy and brings rejoicing. And it's a good message with a good motive. Choose joy. Ten causes of cheerless Christians. Some people will say cheerfulness is childish. If cheerfulness is childish, count me in. Count me in. Why? Because Jesus said you've got to become like one of these little ones if you want to get into the kingdom. Can I get an amen? Amen. Brother Steve, I have noticed you're pretty childish in a lot of your ways. Thank you. Thank you. We had a family get-together at my mom's yesterday, and I was the clown of the bunch. You know what people do when you do that? They laugh and smile. I was acting childish yesterday, Barbara, and guess what? I had fun if nobody else did. I had a ball. I had a ball. Cheerfulness is childish. Did you know that they did a scientific research experiment on kids and adults? You know what they found out? The average kid in America laughs over 400 times a day. Children laugh on average 400 times a day. Adults laugh on average 15 times a day. I'm childish. I'm going to work on 400 times a day. You do what you want to do. You prune up if you want to. I'm not going to prune up. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to be silly. I'm going to be joyful. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to get on the floor with the grandkids. I'm going to chase them and run with them. So my little nephew was walking from mom's house over to what used to be the store building. And he's how old? Eli. Eli's two-year-old. And, and him and his mom and dad are starting over across the sidewalk. And what do I do? I said, come on, Eli, let's, let's, let's race over to the store. So we start running, and I'm running beside him. And he looks, he's like, you're passing me up. He, said, he stopped me, he said, I got an idea. In other words, you're fixing to outrun me, and I'm going to stop this race. He said, I got an idea. 
let's go look at the horsey. And I thought, there's not a horse within a mile of this place. What's he talking about? Well, on the, on the storefront of the, of, of the store there, the two glass doors, years and years and years ago when smoking was cool and there was a Marlboro man, anybody know the Marlboro man? There is this antique sticker on, on the storefront there and it's the Marlboro man on a horse and Eli passes by that and sees it every time. So yeah, I was being childish. I was racing a three-year-old, a two-year-old and I was about to outrun him and he thought that wasn't fair. He said, I've got an idea. Let's go look at the horsey. This race is over. You know, that's what he's thinking. So we went and looked at the horse, and guess what we done? We laughed because we had joy. If it's childish, count me in. I'm all in. Some Christians say, well, joy comes after life. Joy comes after this life, not in this life. If you're waiting, you're losing. Number 10, joy is just impossible. Joy is impossible in this fallen, broken, hurting, anxious, stressed out world. Well, what do you do? You do like Michelle. You lose it. You jump up. You grab a hold of heaven and you pull it down. Can I get an amen? amen? Quit reaching down and pulling hell up. Start jumping up and pull heaven down in your life. It's your choice. It's your choice. You can be miserable if you want to be miserable. If you're going to be miserable, just unfriend me. Would you do that? If all you can do is be negative all the time, just unfriend me, okay? Just give me a break. I'm going to be joyful. I choose to be joyful. If you want to be joyless, you'll find a reason. But let me give you seven reasons Christians can be cheerful. Number one, God is happy. And if God is happy, I'm happy. Can I get an amen? Number two, God made us for happiness. God made you to love you. God wants you to be happy. And that's why everybody on earth is searching for joy. Everybody on earth is searching for happiness because we were born in Eden, in Adam and Eve, and, and we in, in, in our being, we know that. We experience that through Adam and Eve, and we're longing for that. But listen, joy comes from Jesus, and Jesus is going to take us to a place 10 times, 100 times, a zillion times better than the Garden of Eden. He's taking us home to heaven one day after a while. Number three, seven reasons Christians should be cheerful. The pursuit of happiness will lead you to God every time. Every time. The message of Christianity, number four, the message of Christianity is good news, and we must share the good news with other people. If you're joyless, start telling people about Jesus. They may beat your brains out, but you'll be full of joy without brains. Number five, God's kingdom is a happy one. God said, I'm going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. There's not going to be any more sickness. There's not going to be any more death. There's not going to be any more dying. And we're going to be there with him forever and ever and ever and ever. Number six, this is a biggie. A cheerless Christian is bad advertisement for the good news. If you want to be joyful, just turn around and look right back through there. Look back there at Wanda right now and her head set. She's all dressed up. And now she's hiding. Never mind, she ran away. She made me cheerful. Hey, the kids are coming out in just a minute, and they're going to do their armor of God routine for us. So we, we, listen, listen. We've got to blow them off this stage. We've got to clout and cheer and holler and jump up and give them a standing ovation. Okay, you got that? These kids are going to think they're the best ever because they are the best ever. Can I get an Amen. A cheerless Christian is bad advertisement for the good news of Jesus Christ. And number seven, 
God has joy big enough for you to enjoy your life even when you're suffering. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet this morning. Michelle, come on.